When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Back in the 90s, there was one cartoon that stood above the rest and became the reigning champion at people's schools all over the world. I'm talking about the animated 1992 X-Men, the animated series that debuted on the Fox Network. October 31st of 1992. So welcome to this week's Radical Retro Rewind. Again, I am your host, Ryan. (laughs) Someone's already ready. Do you hear that theme song? Today, my guest is a long time coming. He is the co-host of Brunch with the Hollowells, Movie Geek and Proud, as well as Once Upon a Cult. He's coined terms such as Vanquish, and Bebe on his shows. (laughs) He is a very talented artist and creator, and I have many of his amazing X-Men-inspired pins off his shop. Magic Havoc on Etsy. The hysterical and X-Men expert, Sean, is here today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ryan, for that marvelous introduction. You're so welcome. You deserve it. And I have to tell you, I am such a big fan of your show. This is the best idea. This is the most amazing show. I even went and bought the whole gem series, which I've forgotten to rebuy in the past because of you, Ryan, because of you. (laughs) So I did this to you. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. (laughs) It's a good thing. She's truly outrageous. She is. And okay. What was it that you had sent me a message right after you started it? Because David had this whole thing with, you know, Rio and Jem and Jerrica with this love triangle. But what do you think is going on there? So as I started rewatching it, like when she's Jem, she flirts hardcore with Rio. She's like, hi, Rio, I'm Jem. Look at my ample bosom. And then he'll be like, you know, I'm sorry, Jem, I'm with Jerrica. And it's like, oh, that's too bad. But then when she's Jerrica, she's like, I don't know if he wants me or Jem. Bitch, you're the one. (laughs) I wonder why. Hmm. Right? But this is what I don't get, Sean. Don't they have the same body? I mean, literally, it's just a projection. So is he not feeling the same curves? I mean, this is we're just going by if they're having sex, actually. But (laughs) it's like, doesn't this feel familiar? Hmm. Yeah, you would think that. But I don't know. Yeah, that's always bugged me about Jem is that she is her own worst enemy. She's self-destructive. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> but you've had time to rewatch Gem. What else have you been doing during this lovely coronavirus time that we're in? Well, like you said, I have my three podcasts, which the stars have aligned, Ryan, because this very week on Once Upon a Cult, we are doing a second celebrity season of celebrities who have been in cult. And this week, we focus on Andrew Keegan, if you remember oh him from the 90s. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh my god, okay, so yes, stars have aligned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but not only that, on this very day that I'm on your show, oh, my yes. very first book that I've written has been released on Amazon exclusively. Oh my god, today? Today. This is amazing. Please tell me, what is the title of your book? It's called Witch's Brew, and it's book one, A Dream of Waking. And this book has been a long time in the making, and I finally, in quarantine, was like, you know what? I am going to finish this, and I'm going to put it out in the world for everybody else to love and enjoy. This is amazing. Okay, so COVID did do a few positives then. Yeah, I I don't know if I'd say positive with COVID because then it just sounds like people got it. But yeah, it did. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Oh, God. (laughs) Okay, so what is Witch's Brew about? I mean, can we have a little sneak peek into the plot? Sure. The whole idea kind of formed in my mind because way back, way, way back in my early 20s, I was uh, going to Starbucks a lot with friends. Like I'd go sometimes two or three times a day just because it was a place to hang out. And I started Mm -hmm. looking around me at the people and... I started thinking like some of these people could be like vampires or witches, you know, from the way they look. (laughs) And that kind of made me think, you know, what if there was this coffee shop, Witches Brew, that all these supernatural creatures go to, but maybe you and me just being regular people, we don't know that they're supernatural. The idea kind of formed from there. You know, I have um, one of my characters is a gay vampire. Oh, I love that. Right. I guess I could have just said vampire because usually they are gay anyway. (laughs) They're always bisexual or bi-curious. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But he's just woken up as a vampire, you know, at the beginning of my book. So I explore kind of the vampire world through his eyes. I also have a character, Aiden, who is kind of new to this whole scene. And he is attracted to a witch named Sierra who works at Witch's Brew. Yeah. And I have a witch hunter in there who she's just lost her dad. Uh, He was the Magus. So the Magus is in charge of kind of keeping a peace between the different creatures and keeping spells and potions together to keep like spirits and things in check. But since he died unexpectedly, now the world's kind of thrown into this chaos without one. Ooh, that is a great plot. That is exciting. <laughs> no, I'm already hooked. I want to go to Amazon and order this book. You should. It's only $7.99 available Oh, I'm now. totally, <laughs> I'm totally, after this show, I am purchasing this. So would you say, I mean, it sounds like it probably would have a mix of, I mean, you're one of the funniest people I know. So, I mean, there must be humor in this book. I try to make it funny. I think I did that. I also have, of course, a lot of X-Men and Star Wars references because, yes. hey, it's me. And um, one of my major goals with this book and with the next book that's coming is I'm trying to include everybody in it because I want everybody to see themselves and hear themselves through the series. That's so wonderful. And we need that. I mean, it's great. I know when I was growing up, I mean, now we have this generation is so lucky with novels and media for gay teens and all this stuff. But I know I always wanted to see characters growing up that were like me. Mm -hmm. I guess that's why we like the X-Men. They're outcasts. (laughs) Exactly. And you know what? You bring up a good point because I just want to paint a picture of Sean when he was a kid 
painted. Oh, like, please get the paintbrush out. <laughs> right? I got the canvas. Watercolors. <laughs> Ooh, finger paint. Tell me a little into the history of Sean. So I was super into, well, I still am into X-Men and Star Wars to the point where like people saw me as the nerdy kid and I was very much an outcast at school. And I specifically remember one day like wearing jeans and an oversized white shirt and I took a belt and tied it around my waist and everybody was like, why are you dressed like that? And I was like, I'm Luke Skywalker. Well, and thinking of like where we are today where like it's so cool to be into Star Wars and Marvel now, I'm like, would I have been the same person if I grew up today? My first exposure to X-Men, I don't know if you had a similar experience. Picture it, Chuck E. Cheese, (laughs) the X-Men arcade game um, that was based Based on the pride of the X-Men cartoon, which was also my my second exposure, I guess, to X-Men. Because I had this X-Men pilot on VHS back in the day. But just that X-Men video game, my God. I mean, did you ever get to play that one? Did I ever play that one? Ryan, who are you? Assumed. <laughs> but I'm really happy that you brought up Pride of the X-Men. I'm so happy you've seen it. Oh my God. I, I know people have very, very mixed feelings about it, but personally, I loved it. Yeah, it was pretty great. And you're right, because they did base the video game on Pride of the X-Men. And yes. yeah, I've wasted so much money on that video game. And even today, I own it on PlayStation Network and sometimes yes. I'll just play through it. But whenever I go to an arcade and they have it, I still sit there and pump stupid dimes or quarters and dimes. <laughs> I'm way back then. God, yeah. I wish. I'm still pumping quarters into it because it's nothing like playing it real time. I mean, this arcade game was gigantic too. It, it was what, like four or five players could be on one one of these machines? Six. Six oh, was all it at six? once. That's yeah. right. Because you could play each of the X-Men. Yep. Wow. Okay, so was I alone in picking Dazzler continuously when I played? <laughs> oh, girl. I am all about Dazzler or Nightcrawler. Those two are the most fun to play. Yes! Okay, Nightcrawler was my <laughs> second favorite yes i need to play this game again i know on xbox it was on xbox live they took it off i did buy it for the iphone a few years ago and it's taken off as well what's with all these games that you get to buy and then they disappear yeah that's weird (laughs) but i miss this game so much it's amazing i mean it's repetitive people make fun of (laughs) the the quotes from it welcome to die is that one of the most famous ones from magneto Chris and I say that to each other all the time. Well, you die. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) X-Men, welcome to die. Okay, so Pride of the X-Men, that was the first time that they tried to bring X-Men to the animated world. Is there things that stood out to you in that pilot slash special? Well, the funniest thing about it to me is Wolverine has a line about a dingo. So the animation company thought that he was Australian based on that line. So we get Wolverine with an Australian accent, which is great. (laughs) Don't worry about us, dingo. We'll make sure we can. So the kid got lucky that don't make her an X-Man. Not yet. <laughs> Which they, as they say, foreshadowed the future with Hugh Jackman, I guess. Yeah, that's what called him to the role. <laughs> Do you love that though? That's how, okay, he says Dingo. He must be Australian. 
<laughs> right? God. But you're right. I really liked that cartoon too. I liked um they it, it opened with Stan Lee like giving his little spiel and it had, you know, White Queen, Juggernaut, it had Pyro, it had some cool villains. Yes, it did. And, and Kitty actually, Pride. Yeah, and Kitty. And I feel like the animation in that was actually a little bit better than what we got in our 92 series. I'm so glad you said that. I feel the same way, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, especially the danger room in there when they start in the beginning. I remember it's almost like an Aztec temple jungle. They really show off the character's powers in a smart way by Professor X showing Kitty, who's the new X-Men or the newest X or 2B X-Men, um, and he gets to run down the characters and gives a little bit of their powers. So I think it was a smart way to introduce things. Of course, it didn't go anywhere, but... <laughs> right. And by the way, you can find this pilot. It's like 23 minutes on YouTube today. It's just Pride is P-R-Y-D-E, like Kitty's last name. People who haven't seen it, I think they should give it a shot. Like you said, it's 20 minutes. Give it a go. What's What do you got to lose besides dingoes or... <laughs> Right. You know what I always wanted to ask you? Your shop, Magic Havoc, is that a double play on the world Havoc, of course, but also Havoc from X-Men? Um, Actually, that's interesting that you picked up on that. When I was younger, Havoc was one of my favorite X-Men until I went through and read every single like X-Men and X-Men spinoff comics since X-Men number one. Oh and, my goodness. Right? And after reading it, Havoc is not one of my favorite characters. <laughs> But um, I love the band AFI to this day, and the lead singer is Davey Havoc. So it's more of a double thing between the two Havocs, but now it's just, you know, a word that I like because of Havoc and Davey Havoc. It's really, it stands out, and it's perfect. Yeah, and I feel like it it describes some of my designs. (laughs) They are beautifully, beautifully (laughs) Havoc-y. Thank you, I think. Havaki, Havaki, his community. They're very Havakian. <laughs> Moving from the Pride of the X Men, we basically got in that one. We had Cyclops, Colossus, Wolverine, Storm, Nightcrawler, Dazzler. Oh, uh, yes, I don't. Oh, man, Dazzler. Poor Dazzler. Actually, I have this little history lesson for you on. I feel the face of X-Men was about to be very different and it changed at the last minute and poor Dazzler. Please, please tell us. We are, we are all ears. We're all Havakis. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So in 1984, the perfect year, because that's when I was born. Ooh, yes. Um, that's when Dark Phoenix ended and Marvel basically said, you know, you guys can kill off Jean, but if you do it, it needs to be permanent because people are tired of people dying. So they, <laughs> true, true. Yeah. And they kind of wrestled with this idea because some people wanted Dark Phoenix to stick around as like a recurring villain. And some people said, no, that's going to cheapen it. Like we need to kill her. So as we all know, they ended up killing Jean. She sacrificed herself to destroy the Phoenix. And in 86, Marvel got together and they were like, hey, we want a new book we want to make this book x factor and we want to bring the five original x-men back because at this time like beast was with the avengers iceman and archangel were with the uh, fallen angels so cyclops was the only original member on the team at this point so they said the only way we can bring the five back together though is if we brought gene back and marvel said no we're not going to do that she's dead let's use dazzler (laughs) (laughs) well (laughs) yeah 
<laughs> so they started like developing everything with Dazzler as the new team member. And then last minute, one of the executives said, no, we need to bring back Gene, which caused the biggest upheaval in comics because the way they did it was so stupid. <laughs> oh, please tell us. So you know how when the Phoenix first comes out of the water, like Gene flies out and she's the Yes, Phoenix? yes. That beautiful shot that they've tried to recreate in every Phoenix saga that yes. they've done. <laughs> exactly. They decided that the Phoenix put Jean's body into a capsule under the water where she went into a hibernation and the Phoenix took on her form. So it wasn't actually Jean this whole time. So Jean was underwater this whole time in a capsule? Yeah, for years she was apparently (laughs) under this bay. God, I hope it was like a thing she didn't age while she was in there. Right, that would suck. You lose like three years of your life. Oh my God, Scott, Scott. <laughs> so yeah, and they've they've since fixed it up a little bit more, saying like the Phoenix conscience like went into Jean, so she kind of lived through it anyway and has the memories. And they've done their best, and they've kind of retroed it to where now a retro rewind podcast. They've retroed it. You're welcome. Where in later iterations, like she is a phoenix and has it under control. So I bring this up because I feel like this plus the fact that like Jubilee and Gambit, we didn't get them in the comics until 89 and 90. And then in 91, like the X-Men all got a costume change, a, a huge change. Like Storm was in her mohawk form, like slowly yes. going out of air. And suddenly in 91, this costume change by Jim Lee. And then that's what's been cemented in history because in 92 that's what we got with the x-men animated series and god in the 90s did we love our neon colors we loved our yellows and our our blues (laughs) and our colors galore Mm-hmm. So while you're mentioning the Phoenix, in the comics, I know this, that wasn't Jean's sacrifice, like, horrific to the point that she loses her hair, basically, and she's, like, shriveling up from radiation? Yeah, it got pretty ugly. Oh, man. So she, oh my God. I, this is why I feel like they still have yet to get this story right in live action form. But do you think the cartoon did it justice? I think the cartoon is still the best form of the Phoenix and Dark Phoenix saga. And I think what the cartoon cartoon does that none of the movies have done we haven't really gotten to see gene be an incredible hero as the phoenix yes yeah they always want to go straight to the phoenix being evil and there's no there's no story or build up to that so there's no reason for us to care that's right so in the comics when she first became the phoenix or she coexisted with phoenix <laughs> she was a hero for a while right yeah she was a hero it was a five story arc in the comics or five episode arc whereas in the movies the most that we got i think was in x2 when she saved the blackbird from being drowned underwater yes and then it went straight to her being dark in the next one which they didn't really explain scott just finds her in x3 and she's like i'm evil now scott <laughs> that see that whole scene that, that whole, and i do love those movies for what they are but damn yeah x3 x3 <laughs> The animated cartoon, when it first premiered, what what did we get? Was it Night of the Sentinels? Yes, Night of the Sentinels, part one and part two. I was eight years old at this point, and I remember falling in love. Like, I had four cousins that I would go to their house a lot, and I just remember running around the front yard like, I want to be Gambit! I want to be Rogue! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just wanted to be with Gambit. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) 
So in this team, they introduce Jubilee as the new girl. We get to see the X-Men through her eyes, quote unquote. She's at the mall, of course. This is the 90s. What's so wrong with being a mutant anyway? No, not again! Hey, you! Do you know how much that game costs? Yeah, a quarter. <laughs> the Sentinels are after her because her parents would basically report her to the mutant registration program or something. Was that what it was? I think it was. And I think it's good to point out for your brother David that these aren't just her parents. These are her orphan parents because <gasps> oh, she adopted. Yes. Even, yes, because Jubilee is a Chinese American, right? But she looks nothing like it in the cartoon. Right. <laughs> to me, anyway. Well, and in the comic, she actually wasn't adopted. She was actually living in the mall. No, wait, really? <laughs> Yeah, she was like a stowaway, like hiding out, living in the mall when the X-Men found her. So she really was a mall rat then. Yeah, <laughs> <She> literally. <laughs> wow. Okay, and this is, a, I know I'm jumping ahead. I'm sorry for the people at home. But while we're talking about Jubilee, I have to ask you, is she still a vampire in the comics? Is this true? <laughs> yeah, she's had a rough ride. Like she lost her powers on M-Day when Scarlet Witch got mad and took everybody's powers away. And then when everybody got their powers back, she was one of the few that didn't so she was just normal and then you're right she got turned into a vampire luckily there was a story where like she got technically brought back to life because the vampire's undead because I know this I wrote a book called Witches Brew about vampires <laughs> today on Amazon I watch RuPaul I know how to plug something you did it great <laughs> So at this point, her powers are back. She's not a vampire, but they have this story going, which I think is interesting for her, where she's actually found a child named Shogo that she's adopted. So now she's a mother oh. to him. So we get the adoption storyline with her, but this time it's her adopting a child. Yep. Oh, full circle. <laughs> okay. So not a vampire anymore. I'm glad. I was very disturbed when I read this years ago. I'm like, wait, Jubilee's a vampire now? What? I know. And it's funny because I tell all this information to Chris. Luckily, he likes hearing me yabber about X-Men. But when I told him Jubilee is a vampire, he was like, wait, there's vampires in X-Men? I'm like, well, it is part of Marvel, which we've accepted Blade, yes. but you just don't think of vampires in X-Men. Oh, and Morbius, right? The living, is that his name? Morbius, the living vampire? Yes. His name is also uh, Feruza Balk. That's oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Feruza? Feruka? Veruca Salt? <laughs> As David says, people are going to be stoning me when I leave the house. <laughs> oh, I was one of those people. I was like yelling at the phone and I was listening to you. <laughs> why, can, why can I not say this name? I mean, she's been a part of my life since freaking Return to Oz. I don't know why right? I can't say this name. Oh, I mean, yeah, you know what? Too bad she didn't play Jubilee in the 90s in some kind of incarnation. Oh, that would have been great. Also on our team, in this 90s team, we do have Gambit, like we mentioned. I just love Gambit. Gambit. I feel like he's one of my favorite male X-Men. How do you feel about Gambit? I've always been a big Gambit fan. I Is think it the accent? It's the accent. It's his like no issues given sort of attitude and like he's very sexual in the oh, cartoons. Yes. I watched all 76 episodes last week during work and I was like, wow, he's very sexualized. <laughs> and he refers to himself in the third person a lot. From what yeah. I remember, is this, is this an okay assessment of him? Gambit's gonna do something <laughs> now. <laughs> I just got chills when you said that. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean not eating? 
Gambit has spent days on this meal. My oyster loaf. My dough glacé. Gambit is very sexual. And I remember as a kid when Jubilee runs into Gambit because I feel, feel like she's fleeing and that's the first male X-Men she runs into. I was taken at that moment. <laughs> Until I saw Cyclops, and then things also went awry, and I <laughs> I might have jumped from Gambit to Cyclops, but that's for another conversation. So Gambit, with his powers of, does he have a certain, is there a certain technical term for his powers? Like, he charges things, right? Or is it, like, charging with energy? Oh, I feel like there is a term for it. Um, let's havoc-ing. see. He's havocking. He's havocking. <laughs> Uh, kinetic energy generation and manipulation. So he could charge anything then? With- yeah, he can charge anything. There's even one like alternate reality where he is powerful enough to like charge the world. <laughs> <laughs> Damn! Right? A charge in the world, Gambit. Yeah, and one thing too, like I feel like Gambit for our generation, we love him, but I read once that he was kind of like questionable for earlier audiences. Like they found him kind of cheesy, and I I think a lot of people hated on him because he didn't come about, like I said, until about eighty nine, I think. So if you imagine this cartoon when it came out, Gambit was only three years old, and they shoved him into all these stories <laughs> that he wasn't part of. So hardcore fans of the comic, it's basically like you know erasing the history of the comic book in a way. That way, inserting them into these stories that they weren't like. I guess is Jubilee as well weren't involved with. Right. Well, speaking of charging things, let's. <laughs> <laughs> what about Cyclops with his optic blasts? You know what? Even when the show started, I've never been a big Cyclops fan. <laughs> is it because of he is the Boy Scout, quote unquote? Yeah, he was very much, you know, the, the goody two shoes. And I feel with this show, one thing it did well, but also kind of hurt some of the characters is they very much put each character into their own box like cyclops is the boy scout gene's always in trouble jubilee's you know the innocent one so like when i read the comics scott does have a a lot of growth especially like in the 2000s and later he becomes almost like magneto at a certain point and then comes back from that so i've made my peace with him but yeah in the show he's never my favorite but he's got a body everybody let me tell you (laughs) That that uniform clings. It does. All the right places. <laughs> also a sexual character, Miss Rogue. Come in. Was Dears, the most beautiful woman in town alone on a Saturday night. <sighs> I was reading about love and adventure, Gambit. What more could a gal want? <laughs> the real thing, Shell. Gambit at your service. Even crazy swamp rats need a gal they can touch. Now, I love Rogue. I feel like in the movies, they kind of mixed Rogue with Jubilee almost. What do you think about Rogue? Yeah, I agree. Like in the movie, they didn't do Rogue a whole lot of justice by making her the Jubilee character. But in the show... I feel like she's the heart. Like, we get the most story with her. We get the most growth. My only question, and they've kind of answered this since, but why didn't Rogue and Gambit just, like, slap on some of those meet and gathering <laughs> power things? Yes! You know, get it on. Because, you know, they found the foreplay even more exciting yeah. <laughs> in these years. <laughs> Ah, mon ami. But she did have that sad storyline. I mean, even in the pilot, we get that line that her daddy was... I forgot what her daddy did to her, but 
he wasn't very happy that she was a mutant when he found out she was a mutant. Yeah, Rogue is very sympathetic. She can't touch people without, I guess, draining their power slash life force. Yeah. Do you want some good news, though? Yes. In the last few years, Rogue has learned to control her power because it turned out she was her own worst enemy and Professor X helped her, like, get it under control in her head. And her and Gambit are now married Mr. Oh, Mr. that's what that is so nice to hear so does she still have her powers but it, she's able to not suck Gambit whoa <laughs> wait yeah well, as- <laughs> well I mean I don't know what they do for foreplay but I'll answer the rest of the question <laughs> Um, the way they started doing it is, well, even that sounds bad, but, uh, <laughs> Rogue would actually wear one of the collars to dampen her powers, but, oh. but it would give her a headache. Like it wasn't comfortable for her. So it was like, yeah, I can still do this and get pleasure, but it takes away from it doing this. And then after that, she relearned how to control it. So now she can fully be with Gambit and not suck him while sucking him. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, how do you follow that up? Um, <laughs> you know what? Let's let's jump on to someone who's just as dramatic as that sounded. Storm. Let the primal forces of nature continue to be unleashed. Oh, Storm. Storm is so cool in the show when she uses her powers. But <laughs> yes. I'm yes. sorry, Storm fans. I'm going to say this. In the show... When she's talking and not using her power, she's basically C-3PO. <laughs> oh my god. I could totally see that, right? No emotion. Yeah. <laughs> she's saving it all up to call for the weather, you know? And she's another one. Like, just watching the show, she was always kind of background to me. But after reading her in the comics, like, I'm telling you, she's tattooed on my arm today. I love Storm Yay! the comics. I mean, she's with Black Panther, right? That's her her husband? Uh, She was. They got divorced. And then (sighs) she went to what was my favorite pairing of hers. She was actually with Wolverine for a while. Ooh, damn. Right? I go where I want to go. That was perfect. That's the perfect (laughs) impression of him. Wow. So she wanted to go where Wolverine was going. Yeah, and I like them because she's so strong. She can kind of tame him, you know? And they kind of were very just strong leaders together and it just it felt right what felt Mm. wrong was when she was with cable i was like ew (gasps) i did read something like that so (laughs) she was with cable okay wow how did that come about it it felt kind of random like i feel like it just kind of got thrown in there because they both have white hair you know what though i feel like that happens to characters hmm yeah they got white hair they look like they're together (laughs) and how do you explain that to scott like hi scott i'm uh, messing around with your son (sighs) (laughs) you know those x-men they keep it in the family you know what though i think that's what the movies were missing is x-men is such a soap opera you know like yes you're always reading to see who's sleeping with who who's related to who and the the movies just ignored all that yeah they wanted to i guess incorporate more action and but yeah i feel like the people who love x-men love this i mean not even i don't want to call it campy but we like storylines like this, like you said, soap opera-esque. The connections. Yeah, the love triangle between Scott, Logan, and Gene, which, again, is is portrayed through every media they can. That's what they think people want to see. Phoenix and Logan fighting for Gene. Gene. I've... I gotta go. Uh, Cyclops is waiting for me. So am I. 
Oh, I'll tell you something about that, but I'm going to wait. I'm going to blow your mind later. My goodness. Okay. <laughs> so Storm, yes, Storm was amazing. Um, her claustrophobic tendencies, Sean, I mean, weren't those... <laughs> Not for her, but weren't those one of the best moments in the cartoon? Yeah, they were. They were they were drama. Like, wow. <laughs> and I feel like it always came out of nowhere. You never knew when she was going to get this claustrophobia. They'd just be doing something, and all of a sudden she starts screaming. Mm-hmm. And let's not forget when she calls upon the weather. Oh my god. Oh yeah, I, I, I love when she calls the weather. Like, um, Night of the Sentinels, when she first <laughs> changes into her outfit and calls the weather. Ah, storm! <laughs> elements! Uh, yeah, in the comics, she did have the power to rearrange her molecules and change into her outfit. Oh, see, that explains it so much more than she's shooting thunder down and, like, it's just, like, coming up her and her outfit just appears. <laughs> like, yeah. I feel like Storm made a lot of little boys gay. or one. <laughs> Just right? by how campy she was. Like, we wanted to be Storm. I've always said that if they ever did make a movie based on, like, these characters from this show, RuPaul would play Storm. <gasps> God, could you <laughs> imagine? <laughs> Damn. Can we call up the casting agency right now? Right. You want every gay in this country to give you their money? This is what you need to do. We are ready for her to call upon the elements that way. <laughs> So who else do we have in this team? Okay, we have Mr. Beast, who, I mean, I feel like everyone loves Beast. Yeah, Beast was very lovable, and he was very much our, um, I guess in a way, like, tortured soul, because he wanted to make sure that mutants were seen in a good light to the point where he let himself be in prison just to make a point. Yes. Yes, that was one of those shocks in the pilot, um, including Morph, when I know as a kid, I was shocked, Sean, when they, we believed that Morph was killed right in episode one of this cartoon. Um, I feel like that really grounded the show in reality in, in ways. Yeah, I was thinking about that because one thing that you and David talked about in Gem is it started out with a funeral and this <laughs> one started out with a death. So these are two yes. of the greatest cartoons of their day. And I really feel like that. And both soap opera-esque. Mm -hmm. That's very true. Previously on X-Men. Yeah, this was one of the first, or it was the first children's cartoon to just go nonstop. Like, you couldn't miss an episode without missing part of the story. Right, this was definitely must-see TV on Saturday mornings for me as a kid. <laughs> like, you didn't, wait, did you miss X-Men? No! No! <laughs> we also have, let's just get to it, Jean Grey. <laughs> Oh no. Jean Grey, the moaner herself. Ugh, orgasmic sounds of Jean Grey. Yeah, I Constantly don't know. moaning. God. You alright? What are we up against? I'm fine, Scott. I must stop them. Nine. Ugh. Some kind Seven. of device. Five. Love a glass of water. <laughs> yes. I can't hold it. Mm. <laughs> Constantly. Was this just, I mean, in the comics, was she similar to this? 
well, I feel like before she became the Phoenix, she was kind of a lame character. Like, she could barely use her powers, and they would talk about her being strong, but they wouldn't show it. And then Chris Claremont, who was writing in that day, decided he wanted to show another side of Jean and have a strong woman character. So that's what kind of brought on the Phoenix. And from that point on, she was her own strong individual. And especially in the comics that are coming out today, like, she leads her own team, and she is uber powerful. She's a, definitely a strong woman. Love that. Okay, so she's gone from, I can't hold it to, she's holding it down. <laughs> right. And I think it's worth mentioning too, um, just as a quick side note, um, I feel like X-Men is as popular as it is today because of the Phoenix Saga. Yes. And the Phoenix Saga was actually brought about because of Star Wars. Ooh, is that because they wanted to incorporate a space element? Exactly, because the Phoenix Saga started, I want to say, early 80s, late 70s, right after, you know, Star Wars came out, and Marvel said, we need a space epic, and that's why Phoenix Saga was written. Do you see that Star Wars fans out there? Thank <laughs> God for Star Wars. Yeah, Star Wars has had such a profound change on our, our media, Rob, who doesn't like Star Wars. Rob is definitely not a fan of Star Wars, but... Um, speaking of people screaming, Professor X did scream a lot, I feel like, as well, when he was, uh, he's always connected to Cerebro and, and screaming something. I can't let you do that! <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> and that actor had that amazing voice, just to, oh! Yeah. <laughs> I feel like they just told the actors, okay, be as over the top as you can. Bring every emotion that you... <laughs> every emotion. You know, I think they were like, here's a bottle of lube. We're going to close all the windows. <laughs> Whatever you need to do to make these noises. Scott! Scott! <laughs> That's all I can ever think of when I think of cartoons. She had a picture of Scott Bayo in front of her. Oh. <laughs> Didn't we all back in the day? Right? <laughs> Okay, so speaking of, I know we're all over the place, but there's so many things in X-Men. The Phoenix Saga did happen in season three of the animated show. Right before that, we did get, to me, a classic two-parter with Lady Deathstrike, which is another character that I loved as a kid. Yeah, she's an interesting character because of her tragedy, and I feel like they've used her a lot in the comics in conjunction with Wolverine, of course. But yeah, you're talking about um, Out of the Past, which was a great yes. double partner with the Morlocks. We can't forget the Morlocks. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now that I have you here, Kalisto, can we say for sure that she's a lesbian? If anyone moves, and Cyclops is gone, at my order, destroy the X Men one at a time until their leader agrees to my terms. <laughs> Are you sitting down, Ryan? Oh, no. Okay, I am sitting down. Am, am I going to be shocked? Tell me who she, she's like, married to. Well, there was a small comic run where as like a revenge, like, oh, no, her face <laughs> was made pretty. So like, she didn't belong with the Morlocks anymore. That's so sick. Yeah. So she went up to the surface because she didn't belong in the sewers anymore. And she got with none other Oh my god. Colossus. Oh, Colossus. <laughs> god, I love him. Wait, she got with Colossus? Yeah, he was hard for her. <laughs> well. <laughs> 
So what did we learn from that plot line? You you live in the sewers if you're ugly and you could get attractive strong steel men if you uh if you redo your face with plastic surgery? Yeah, and if I remember right, I think like she went back to looking the same and like he tried to still be with her, but then Aww. he didn't wanna she didn't feel like she belonged. So it was her own what's the word? Uh esteem issues that tore them apart. Oh because you know, I felt bad for the Morlocks. I mean, it seems like with their storyline where Storm became the queen of the Morlocks and took over for Callisto. <laughs> I feel like every time they showed the Morlocks after, they were like, Storm's never here. <laughs> She's not doing her job. <laughs> so yeah. I want to be queen again. <laughs> Storm's like, I ain't ugly. I don't have to live down here. That's right. She's like, I'm the queen, but the queen. <laughs> not for you down there. <laughs> I do love how in this animated series, we got so many storylines and like they would pick and choose like what would go into the story, but you can always get an idea of where they were pulling from. And I think that was made it really watchable for someone who's not a fan, but for someone who is like, if you watch X-Men with me, you're going to hate me because I'm going to be like, oh, that's Cannonball. They showed Cannonball. Oh, that's magic. Oh, this storyline is from this. And they mixed it with this. And I'm that guy. (laughs) But I think that's fantastic because I always love going back and reading the Wikipedia page of a Marvel character and finding their history. I think there's so many rich storylines in those comics that thankfully someone like you has this knowledge for people who didn't read the comics or didn't get to read all these storylines. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, that's what I'm finding is now as an adult with Marvel being at the forefront of everything, I'm having people come up to me and be like, oh, was Captain Marvel like this in the comics? Or Now I'm cool, huh? Yeah, now I'm cool. Now you want me. Up on the playground. Oh my gosh. (laughs) When I looked like Kalisto, you didn't want me. (laughs) Now I'm beautiful. God, I'm Kalisto. (laughs) God, no, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. I swear. Now I'm so sad. In my head canon, she was a lesbian since I was a kid. Okay, how about this, Ryan? Just to meet you in the middle, she's pansexual. (gasps) Okay. I'll take it. I'll take it. I mean, not that I wanted the lesbian character to be in the sewers if she was a lesbian, but <laughs> I was looking for that representation. Yeah. <laughs> One thing too, like you talk about representation, I noticed on my rewatch, even back in 92, did you notice the president in the show? I'm so glad you mentioned this. Yes. The female president. That's wonderful. Do you know, I remember this is so random. I remember watching this as a kid with my father I guess he would start watching them when I was in the, you know in the background or whatever and he's like wow they have a female president in this show but yeah how above the curve were they in X-Men yeah and I've always loved that about the comics too like Marvel has always done a good job about when there is a lot of prejudice against uh, Muslims in the comics there was a Muslim character named Dust in the X-Men who they had this whole story where she was wearing the burqa and covering her face and another character said something to her like you know why do you wear that when you don't have to and she I can't remember the exact wording but she basically said back to her well why do you choose to dress like that like to me I would never you know dress that way and it was a very eloquent way to kind of 
throw it back beautiful yeah and i feel like this show in the comics must be an escape for any person who feels like they're an outsider yeah there's a lot we've seen it in the movies too like with Iceman. like have you tried not being a mutant which we've all all had that conversation (laughs) but even um when i was re-watching it the way they handled the legacy virus in the show yes they basically blamed it on the mutants as like this is straight up aids that i'm watching right now in a kid's show Yes. I feel like the only other kids show that was doing things like that was Captain Planet. Do you remember they had an AIDS storyline, which is so random? Did they? I don't remember. Uh, Not one of the Planeteers, but there was a kid that had AIDS. And I remember the rat villain was either going to try to spread AIDS or told people that this kid was going to give them AIDS just by living or something. It was deep. I mean, God, I think it wasn't actually an AIDS special for Captain Planet. Where else are you getting like storylines that would parallel real world like that? Yeah. And what's really disturbing to me about rewatching this today is watching the Friends of Humanity. I feel like we've had a resurgence of that even Mm. in 2020 30 years later yep you think things would be progressive but yeah and not the car insurance (laughs) (laughs) we're not plugging that (laughs) (laughs) or if we are possibly we are yeah okay so who else do we have in that x-men team did we cover wolverine oh oh gosh out of all the x-men how could i forget Wolverine. Okay, Mr. Logan himself. And you did do that fantastic Wolverine impression. (laughs) He does go where he wants to go. Do you like how they portrayed Wolverine in the cartoon? You know, it's funny. When I was younger, he just seemed like the grumpy old man all the time. But like, upon rewatching it and after knowing his character from the comics, like they did a really good job with him. Like he... He's funny, yet grumpy in the show. Do you think that they went completely the opposite way with the Hugh Jackman Wolverine? Yeah, they definitely made him, like, he wasn't as grumpy. He was just more like a loner, I guess. Right, yes, right, a loner. Mm -hmm. That basically really got over his issues and was just like almost like a normal character per se by the end of the last time we saw him. Yeah, yeah. And I heard that they were originally going to cast Robert De Niro as Wolverine. You're kidding me. It would have fit with his character better. Oh my God. Could you? (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that would have been definitely an alternative universe. Yeah. Yeah, I I like the way it turned out with Hugh Jackman though. Like it definitely brought more people to X-Men because it was Hugh Jackman who's very attractive and played it. That definitely helped. Yeah. Don't you love as well his body in the first X-Men movie and then all of a sudden he just becomes so jacked and ripped between the next one and the next like he just got even more in shape as the movies went on. Yeah like I thought it was funny in uh, Days of Future Past he goes back to the 70s and talks to himself and I'm like you look better than you did in the 90s. (laughs) Yeah you He really is one of those people that looked, especially in the first X-Men movie, he looks better now. But yeah, I definitely, I definitely like Wolverine. Like he's in his own way, the heart of the team. Like he tells people the harsh truths that help them grow. And the way that he oversees Jubilee and their connection, that always got to me. I always loved that kind of whatever connection that they did have. Yeah. Now here's what I was waiting to tell you, Ryan. Are you ready for it? Oh my goodness. Yes. In 
the X-Men comics today, and this hasn't been explicitly said as of yet, but we've had some pretty big hints. <gasps> All the X-Men are living on the island of Krakoa, which is a living island and um is that near the savage world <laughs> no they're in separate places <laughs> okay i thought that'd be the next island over yeah that's a hop skip and a jump <laughs> ride a pterodactyl over yep but uh they're all living on this island and there's the summer's home which of course has gene and cyclops have their room and then cable has his own room because he's their child that went to the future and came back and that's its own story they have their daughter from the future rachel who lives there but in their home in between scott and gene wolverine lives in the summer's home so people are like why does wolverine live there (sighs) And then there is oh, a, oh my God. There's a comic where Wolverine and Cyclops are talking and they're talking about Scott wants to go on vacation with his family and he invites Logan and to entice him, he says, uh, Wolverine says, Genie in a bikini. And then Scott says, and Scott in a Speedo. <gasps> oh my God. So it's very <laughs> heavily hinted that they are in a thruple now. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my God. That is the most amazing thing I've heard. I really, yeah. honestly. So if you go online and search it, uh, you'll probably find, you know, pictures or like... I know what I'm doing yeah. later. I know. <laughs> but it's still hinted that... Um, Cyclops is still with Emma, but I think it's out in the open between everybody. Oh, so, okay, so he is with Emma Frost still then. Hinted, yeah. So, I mean, she's gone through quite her... Yeah, so just a quick history with her. Um, she was running her own school with her own students, but of course she was evil at the time, so she wasn't teaching them the way Professor X teaches the X-Men. <laughs> But uh, when the Phalanx Covenant happened, which was also an episode, a double parter in the series that we're talking, um, all her students got killed and she ended up escaping the uh, takeover of the Phalanx by joining teams with Banshee, Sabretooth, and I want to say Jubilee might have been part of it. And working with the X-Men, she learned that she could still teach she just had to kind of get into a different headspace. And that was the beginning of her journey into being a hero. See, I thought you were going to say that her school burnt down and R2-D2 was there. And then she <laughs> fled to another island to never use her powers again. Yeah, I mean, her uncle Owen and Aunt Beru, she'll never see them again. <laughs> see, look at X-Men and Star Wars paralleling again. Yep. Wow, I didn't know she had her own school. Yeah, she did. She had questionable students, like one was named Empath, and he can make you feel any emotion that he wants you to. And there's another one named Tarot, and they they had like those powers that could be used for good, but could easily be twisted. Do you have a favorite X-Men character? Man, 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 man. Okay, so growing up, it was... Storm, Rogue, the cliche Jubilee. (laughs) But as I've gotten older, I really want to say it's Colossus and Nightcrawler. Wow. I mean, is that, I know that's probably obscure, not obscure, but that's probably not the normal. Well, let me put it this way. I have both of them tattooed to my arm. Ooh, yes. I'm actually a huge Nightcrawler fan. There's even, I'll admit this, I don't care. There's even certain ways that he's drawn that I'm like, you're super sexy. I, I can totally see that. I don't blame you at all. No, totally. And I think they do that on purpose to make us oh, yeah. feel certain ways. My favorite, since I've been young, and I've even gotten like, 
I had not too long ago, somebody was like, oh, you're a huge X-Men fan. I was like, duh. And um, <laughs> he was like, who's your favorite character? And I told him and he started laughing. He's like, no, wait, you're joking, right? I was like, no, I'm serious. He's my favorite character. And he's like, no, like you really are serious. I'm like, yeah, Iceman is and has always been my favorite character. Oh yeah, Bobby is great. Iceman is another one. <sighs> Why is it so shocking to somebody? I think because like when I was younger, he was kind of the joke X-Men. A lot of people didn't take him seriously, but I feel like they've done right with him. Like he's Omega level now. Like he can make other Icemen. He's basically like multiple man. He can make other Icemen that he could control. So he can have a whole legion of himself. And he was even like shattered at one point, but he was able to bring himself back together. Like he's broken. <laughs> Did Piper freeze him and then try to explode him into yeah. orbs? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I I love that when he got outed in the comics, that comic came out on my birthday. So on my birthday, I went to the comic book store and I bought <gasps> the cool comic of Iceman coming out. Freaking amazing. Double happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so do you have a... A favorite female X-Men? X-Woman? No. X-Woman. I do. And it's Emma Frost. I was gonna say, I think it's Emma Frost, right? I didn't want to say it, but I think I remember you saying that on brunch one time, possibly. Yeah, she's just, I, I already liked her a lot as a villain because of what she was wearing, which, when you think <laughs> no. about it, like, she's in this cartoon in a teddy. And I'm like, wow. But yeah, just because of her background, her fashion choice, her snarkiness, like, she's wonderful and we all love a, a, a ex villain that becomes a hero yeah <laughs> now there are other x-men video games besides the arcade one that we mentioned now i know you're a gamer have you played a, any of these other i know it sounds so stupid to ask you but <laughs> <laughs> have you played x-men games <laughs> what are those <laughs> what are video games um growing up my first system i had was the genesis and I would play the X-Men one on that a lot. Yes! Okay, um, the first one, second one, both. Uh, ooh, I think it was the first one. It had, like, an orangey cover, and you could be, I remember, uh, Wolverine, Cyclops. Yes! Nightcrawler, I believe, as well in that yes, one, right? Yes, it was in there. And I remember one episode, you go to, like, the Shi'ar spaceship, and you have to fight Deathbird. Yes, I I think that was the first one. Okay. Very good games. I think my favorite one was the one made by Capcom for the Super Nintendo. Um, it's called Mutant Apocalypse, where you could be Psylocke as one of your choices. Yes, I still I have like that for one. like the first and only time that you could play her, really. Yeah. And have you played any of the Marvel versus Capcom um, video games as well, where we get some of our original voice cast back? I have, and I used to be more into them than I am today. Like, when I first met Chris, he played it, Marvel vs. Capcom 3, like, professionally, and he still does. No kidding! Yeah, he actually what? goes to tournaments or, like, plays from his room, and, like, just seeing the combos and everything he does, like, my brain's not set up for that. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I still play here and there, but not like I used to. See, that is Guy, my partner's, his favorite video game ever is number three as well. We just kind of like mash the buttons. Isn't that terrible? There's like no strategy. I'm just like, press the assist button. Storm will come out. Throw yeah. a whirlwind. Whirlwind. I do love the animation of Marvel vs. Capcom 2 and like the way the characters look. And I love being Iceman in that one for obvious reasons. Yeah, I wish we have like just a a, a new x-men x-men game but just like all of the x-men yeah that's what i've been saying for years is they should remake the x-men arcade game with better graphics and like newer characters but like keep the aesthetic the same like i want to walk side scroll and i just want to like bash on people (laughs) i mean they've seemed like they've had quite a lot of luck too i mean they don't they do like remastered ducktales video game and remastered Mega Mans, and they kind of redo them so why not x-men yeah i don't know like that's an easy sale in my opinion the arcade still makes so much money (laughs) especially storm with her beating stick in that she has an arcade (laughs) (laughs) her beating stick wow Um, so being a fan of the comics as well, Sean, do you feel like there are plots that the animated show might have done better or, or there are ones that you prefer in the comic book as opposed to the animated show? Hmm. Good question. I didn't even think about that. To answer your question. And like, I don't want to take away from the episode because it is actually one of my favorite episodes. But when you bring that up, I think of the whole Archangel plot when he first becomes Archangel with like New Island. Yes. There was more to that story with the X-Men went into the Morlock tunnels and the Marauders who are Mr. Sinister's men like took these big metal like pipes and shoved them into Archangel's wings and left him for dead and now his wings like being inoperable at this point. He's taken to a medical facility where and I think this is interesting because he's in the show but Cameron Hodge acts as like a lawyer for the X-Men yes. and they trust him and he's the one who while Archangel is out he says cut off his wings because it turns out that he's actually an anti-mutant guy and he's been working like undercover to thwart the X-Men Ooh. Yeah, and then um, a broken, you know, Warren who has no more wings anymore taken in by Apocalypse who gives him the wings but then drives him insane with this power basically that's some some torture there my goodness oh yeah. i loved apocalypse too what She's a great villain cool. is he your favorite villain of the series i it's a okay it's a weird story but <laughs> do you remember the action figures they had those all those x-men like they had the original team and then they came out with this apocalypse one i remember staring at the back of the box looking at this apocalypse figure and the term was he came with some kind of like staff to protect his family jewels. <laughs> oh no. What? And I remember just reading that and just laughing as a kid so much about the family jewels. Um, and then when he finally came on the show and I got the action figure, I was like, oh no, this is my favorite. I just, I mean, it started with something stupid like that. But then when I finally got him as an action figure and then saw him on the show, I was in love. It must be those big lips. <laughs> That's why he's Apocalypse. It was Apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> well, what would you say is your favorite villain? So hands down, since I was young, I've loved Mr. Sinister 
because oh, teeth. Yeah, but he's also just so ridiculous. Like his name is Mr. Sinister. <laughs> and I've said this for years and it's become a joke that like he's basically a drag queen with the way he's so flamboyant and with his voice. I always okay, here I go again. Had this thing that he was like almost like maybe gay and in love with Cyclops. <laughs> Well, what's great is in these recent comics, the same ones where there's the thruple with uh, Keen in them, they have made Mr. Sinister so flamboyant. Like, there's a, what's it called? Like, a flashback where Professor X and Magneto go meet with Sinister for their in, own- In a gay club? No, just yeah, basically. But Mr. Sinister's there, and he's just, like, crossing his legs, and he's like, oh, I love your cape. It's so fabulous. Maybe I should have a cape. And they made him so gay. I'm like, I'm not the only one who saw this on the show he was very gay i love this i love this it's getting better and better yeah, and he even has like <laughs> i guess the only way i can describe it is like a dirty like uh what's it called like those magazines that just gossip about people oh like a tabloid yeah he has this whole like tabloid where he's like and this is where the rumor comes from cyclops and emma being together because he just sits there and he goes through and he's like oh you know professor x's you know star pupil is living in this new situation in this new type of relationship but little does everybody know he's still seeing the one that he used to be with (laughs) so there's literally uh, a tabloid just for like what's going on in the mutant world (laughs) yeah and like they present it where you're the one reading it so more like like you're looking at his notes in his computer but yeah it's basically like a tabloid (laughs) so are we safe to say that the kids that grew up when we were watching this has taken over writing x-men and (laughs) incorporating things that they might have gotten from the show i can definitely see that as happening like that's what it feels like because i am living for this new series god i just want to read these new comics now you're hooking me back onto comics that's what i'm here to do marvel is paying me to get you they know they really should though marvel forget progressive yeah i need to work for them like i sign him up own like movie plots and everything like i can write the next marvel x-men movie mr sinister please make mr sinister gay again (laughs) make him hashtag gay again mr sinister I gotta say, Mr. Sinister is up there because of the reasons you mentioned his his over-the-topness and his creepiness as well. And that voice. <laughs> yeah. And now, Mr. Sinister 2, he... There's a lot of storylines that just kind of ended in the comics because different writers took over. He... You know how only Scott's power can hurt him in the show? Yes. So the reason for that is Scott grew up in an orphanage with another boy who was kind of a bully. And that boy, he had like something that stunted his growth so he's a child forever so he created mr sinister as like a child's view of what a villain would be and that's why he's so ridiculous and that's why only scott could hurt him because he's trying so hard to get scott to like love him and stuff but scott oh my god (laughs) Ooh, damn everyone wants scott what's up with that i know (laughs) god oh my i still can't get over this wolverine gene Oh my god. Could you just imagine like Scott lying naked ass up on the ground and like Wolverine, you know? Just oh yeah, because we know that's what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> we know that's that's the way it's gonna go. And you just see Wolverine go, I go where I wanna go. Oh I love it. God, Gene Scott. <laughs> <laughs> This is amazing. Okay, so I'm doing two things. I'm ordering the book, Sean's book, and I'm reading 
flustered in the face. Um, I that effect. <laughs> can we acknowledge, because I know that you will love this as well. We have the voice of Lydia and Claire Renfield with Jubilee, right? Is it Allison Court? Oh yeah, Allison Court. I didn't, she did Lydia also? Lydia in Beetlejuice. Can you imagine? Wow. And actually, I know her mostly. I think I know. Yeah, from the Care Bears 2 movie. Yes, (laughs) yes, yes. She has one of those voices that she basically sounds the same if she's playing Claire. She's playing Jubilee. Yeah, yeah, she's playing in like all the things that I love. God, she's so good. <laughs> she is. Speaking of storylines, do you have like those episodes of X-Men that you just, you think to and you want to watch? Well, now I want to see the one where Jean, Logan, and Scott go <laughs> on vacation. Speaking of the Savage, is it Savage Land, Savage World? Savage Land? Savage Land. I just loved those because of the dinosaur aspect of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I also loved the episode when we got Colossus, as well as when Nightcrawler actually showed up in what was season was that was it season three two i think it was four when nightcrawler showed up but they were doing that whole scene and they were like what was it with logan and he was emotional and (laughs) at the church i just it's just so different for the show i love it was it the midnight club where gene is again possessed by something she doesn't know who she is and they're they like dressed like the 1800s or something oh yeah the circle club they called it the, cir- the circle club my god that- which in the comic the hellfire club but hellfire club okay <laughs> you know? yes the hellfire club the circle club my yeah god. way to take that all some- what are they doing there <laughs> making circles <laughs> yeah <laughs> Scott! Scott! <laughs> what about episodes that stand out for you, Sean? For me, I love all the ones that highlight Archangel, like the Cure session when he goes after Apocalypse. But the one that really stood out to me was, uh, it's a two-parter, it's One Man's Worth, where they basically retell the Age of Apocalypse storyline with Wolverine and Storm being a couple. Storm is Mohawk Storm, which I was yes. so excited to see. But even when I was re-watching it, I was getting so giddy i was like you know that's uh they showed different heroes in their age of apocalypse outfits like magneto they even showed like scarlet spider in there for a second and i am such a fan of scarlet spider it was just so exciting to watch that story god now i gotta i watched a lot of the episodes before you know again preparing for this but i need to finish them all like you did again so many good ones yeah I'm even thinking of what was it the storyline with Rogue when didn't they show how she took Miss Marvel's powers and she was like in the hospital in a coma? Yeah, I think that one is called A Rogue's Tale and (laughs) appropriately named. But yeah, they even don't shy away from showing that whole storyline of her taking Miss um, Marvel's power and being haunted by her and atoning for it, which I thought was great. So she's more exciting still in the cartoon than the actual Miss Marvel movie. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Not to bring up that movie, X-Men animated show did it better too, possibly. Yeah, and there's a lot of like energy right now around people wanting to see Rogue show up as a villain in Captain Marvel. Just to get rid of Brie Larson? No, wow. just joking. I'm so... <laughs> Come on, Rogue. Sucker power. So we get the X-Men and we... No more Miss Marvel movies? Dun, dun, dun. I no, like I'm just... Captain Marvel. It was good. No, I know. I'm just teasing. I, I mean, it wasn't my favorite of them. No. I, I still like what she brings to the okay, table. that's fair. Right? Okay, I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> Although I would love if 
Froga did take her powers and they actually showed that in the movie universe like that, a sequence. Yeah, that'd be great. And who could we get to play Rogue? Please, God, not Anna Paquin. Oh, she was so bad. Isn't that the, I'm sorry, the worst casting in the world? Yeah, and it's funny because my friend Rachel, her favorite X-Men of all time has always been Rogue. And she got me started on the Suki Stackhouse books. So we were reading those. (laughs) Okay, right. (laughs) When she found out that Anna Paquin was going to play Rogue and then later Suki, she was like, why her? I can't stand her. And she's ruining all my characters. Oh! Oh my god, I thought you were going to tell me that she loved her performance. Oh no. (laughs) With the future of Marvel reintroducing the X-Men, is there anyone that you really know in your heart that you want to play a character? Or have you not even thought about, like, who the new cast could be? Um, I guess I haven't thought too much about it because I'm waiting to see, like, what avenue they take like i've heard rumors that shia labeouf is gonna play my favorite oh my god yes yeah like i think he could do well at the role but i want to know more about the role before like i jump on the bandwagon because is Iceman gonna be gay like is he gonna be a jokester because in the original x-men movies like he was kind of just boring <laughs> well well he was with rogue the queen of paper she was like dry paper i, I can't get over rogue yeah so yeah i want to see which way they go and i know i talked about this on brunch but i definitely want to see lady gaga or Charlize theron as emma frost i think either one of them would do an amazing job can you imagine her though as dazzler lady gaga i mean i know that's a music thing she might not want to go that route again like playing a musically inclined character but i would love to see Dazzler. Dazzler in a live action movie. Yeah, that would be exciting. Yeah, Dazzler has, I'll tell you this, Dazzler is on my arm also because... Ooh, okay, I love this. Love it. (laughs) Do you like her with that that arcade Pride of the X-Men outfit or her like classic white pantsuit? No, I think I like her better with like the short brown hair from the video game. I love that outfit on her. I wish we got more of that cartoon just to see the Dazzler. Just be Dazzler. (laughs) And I have to tell you, it was really funny because growing up, I have this very vivid memory. I could I had to only be like eight or nine when it happened. But I went out with my uncle and a few of his friends who at the time were probably in their late 20s. And they took me to a comic book store. And one of the friends who I don't even remember his name, because I only met him like a handful of times if that he said, you can get any comic book you want. And I grabbed an Uncanny X-Men comic and it was this like one-off kind of about Psylocke and she wasn't wearing her sexy outfit yet even. She was wearing like this purple like onesie. (laughs) Oh my god. Comfortable. Comfortable. (laughs) (laughs) And it was Longshot of all people. He was part of the X-Men for a little while. And then Rogue and um, Dazzler. And I think that really like set the stage for the rest of my life. Like just being into X-Men and loving Dazzler and Rogue and Psylocke. And for a long time, they were almost like my secret love because nobody knew who they were yeah, when I was growing I up. I could totally understand that. I mean, even now, people are like, Dazzler? <laughs> right? Who? <laughs> yeah. Disco singing. 
you remember when the cartoon came out and like Pete's, I don't know if you had this by you, but Pizza Hut was giving out X-Men comics. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh my God, Sean. I was so excited. They had like the Pizza Hut kids pizza and they would give you an X-Men cup and a comic book. And I was obsessed after that. Then I would go to the comic book stores. Oh, and by the way, I just found it. If you want to see the cover of my first X-Men comic ever, it's Uncanny X-Men number 218. Okay, I am looking right now. You'll see Psylocke in her original beautiful <laughs> outfit. Oh my god, are we going to see the... Oh, damn. You know what? It does, like... It really does stand out, though. Mm -hmm. <gasps> what are those sleeves? Yeah. Okay, so she... <laughs> She's in a onesie, like Sean is saying. But then she has like pirate sleeves that are like, yeah, <laughs> she look went, a dazzler. She went through this weird transformation where like she, her, her psychic energy like got put into the body of an Asian woman. And then for some reason, Wait, what? yeah, it was a weird story because <laughs> Psylocke is British, but then she woke up in this Asian body and then she started being a lot more like sexual and that's where we got the outfit that we know her in. Did she ever go back to her original body? Not until just recently. Like now she's back in her original body and then Quanin, who's which is the name of the Asian woman, has retained the Psylocke moniker. So now she's Psylocke and the Psylocke we know has taken up the mantle of being Captain Britain in place of her brother. But okay, so when she was in this body, was she next to Jean Grey under the under the water as well somewhere? Sure, why not? Just, just waiting in the wings. <laughs> like they need, girl, they need my body back. Okay. Yeah, because her, her body was in a coma and then... It, I had these weird comics from the 90s where like Quanin came back and they like fought, but Psylocke won and kept the body. <laughs> Damn, there's some high stakes going on with these yeah. X-Men. <laughs> so currently, okay, so currently everyone is back in their, their rightful bodies. <laughs> yep, everybody's back where they belong. Do we know what happened to Dazzler? Is she out there still? Is she in a coma? Dazzler is alive and in her own body. Um, they've actually done a really good job of bringing back her and Colossus' sister Magic back into the main X-Men fold. Um, Dazzler had this really sad run, though, where, like, Mystique put her in a coma and, like... Oh, my God! Yeah, and so Mystique, like... Dazzler was working for S.H.I.E.L.D. and Mystique went as Dazzler and was doing all this nasty stuff in S.H.I.E.L.D. and then Dazzler like eventually got out of the coma and she went back to the X-Men and she's like, what the F people? You didn't know it was Mystique? I didn't seem different to you? You know what? It's like that cliche that speaking of Charmed, Sean's other show with Brunch with the Hollowells, it's like when the sisters, someone's in their bodies and the other sister can't tell. Like, yeah. really? You couldn't tell I wasn't acting a little different? Like, <laughs> I'm doing things I wouldn't normally do? Mm -hmm. If this doesn't make you want to read X-Men comics, people, I don't know what will. This is the best storylines I've heard, I feel like, in any any media you know what's funny is the the storyline that made me want to read everything because i was tired of them being like hey remember that time this happened so i was like i want to remember that time it was emma and iceman you know my two favorites and they're basically like remember that time that we switched bodies i was like what <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna so echo yeah, that. Yeah, that happened too. They switched bodies. Like, Iceman, like, Emma, like, grew out ice to make his hair really long. <laughs> he to feel at home. And I, I'm sure Iceman felt at home being in the body of a woman. He was probably, <laughs> yes. 
So the only thing that's going to happen more in X-Men than someone using powers and being a mutant is someone will be in somebody else's body. Yeah, at some point. That. <laughs> Damn, because can't even Jean and oh, you know, Professor X, can't they go into the mind as well? So nothing sacred. <laughs> yeah, there's actually an alternate reality where like Professor X was a jerk and like he was forcing Emma to have sex with him. <laughs> my God. Okay, first <laughs> off, why did my mind go to Professor X was a cross dresser i don't know wow. why you were gonna i thought you were gonna say that like professor x dressed as a woman he was across and he wanted to take emma frost's mind into his body <laughs> to bring out his sexuality oh <laughs> ryan we need to write a comic <laughs> i'm with you come on but yeah there is like a lot of inclusion within these comics like i remember in ultimate x-men which kind of started everything over again in the early 2000s um colossus was gay and he had a crush oh. on wolverine and it was great oh my like, they were peeing next together one time and then it just showed colossus look over <laughs> and then there's also a comic which you actually really like so i'm gonna recommend this it's- i'm already writing down recommendations Good. on the piece of paper it's called donishing x-men I might, I might have to double check that. But uh, Dazzler is the leader of this group that goes through different dimensions. And they have to, like, write things so that, you know, the future of that dimension isn't wrong. And in oh, that one, goodness. she's working with an alternate dimension Wolverine who's actually in a relationship with... I don't know if I could take it. Oh, you can take it. <laughs> Hercules. Because there is a Hercules in the Marvel, yes. Yeah, and Wolverine has, like, gold-plated claws, and, like, he's still in a relationship with Hercules. So X-Men really is uh, a gay extravaganza X-Men. Yeah. I like that you said extravaganza. I am in shock. I've learned... I can't even tell you. My mind is filled with so many many things to to look into, to think about. But you had to have known this was going to happen, bringing me on the show. I feel like we just touched the surface of X-Men. I mean... Yeah, there's so much history, there's so much drama, there's so much um, inclusion, like I feel like this is this is why personally I love it. This is why I love Marvel because I feel like, you know, they have their Muslim characters, they had a gay wedding in one of the comics. They've just done a great job of really tapping into that lonely boy on the playground in his oversized white shirt with the belt and nobody oh. <laughs> So really, if you were to sum up the 90s cartoon what are your thoughts sean um my thoughts is you know animation issues aside because like we talked about they it's not always the best animation and they went through a lot of issues with like the studio producing the episodes on time which is why it's all out of order but you know that aside i think i think it's as strong as it is today because we have these cool characters like we have very strong like archetypes so whether you know despite them being flat or not or being put in a box like you can at least identify with one of them and the stories they're telling like they're easy for anybody to come into but of course if you want to go deeper and want to be more of a fan there's so much to just get excited about and be like wow they did such a good job combining these stories and you know the fact that it's so focused on overcoming hate and being your best person like that still rings true to Day, sadly it's still something that we very much see in society so true and that is why these stories are what they would call timeless because they are still timely today and the writing it was such i mean the quality of this writing is unbelievable yeah 
God, I have so many X-Men comics to read now. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I mean, I know there's a million things we missed, but... Yeah, I feel like we did a pretty good job. Like, we kept to the, the cartoon as much as we could. Like, I could, of course, talk to you for days about, you know, X-Men and threads and characters, but I behaved and I kept mostly to the show. But see, this is what I love as an outsider to the comic in that sense, that I want to know all about the real history. Not that I guess this isn't real. It's in its own history the cartoon has, but I love to know the real actual Marvel continuity and what's going on with these characters. And someone like you is just amazing to know because you have this knowledge. Oh, I'll give you, I almost forgot, I'll give you one last little thread to blow your mind about. I can't, because it's been blown about four or five times now, so, so please do. We touched a little bit on more, and he was also an interesting character because he wasn't in the comics per se. Back in like the, the 60s, 70s era, like they decided let's kill off Professor X and see how the, the X-Men do on their own. So they so nobody liked that because he was the heart of the X-Men. So they basically were like, oh, that wasn't Professor X. That was Changeling, who Professor X asked you look like him while Professor X went into space. So Changeling got killed as Professor X and Professor X came back. But between that happening and the show, the name Changeling actually went to another character in the DC universe. Beast Boy went as Changeling in like the 80s, 90s. So that's why we got this character morph because they couldn't name him Changeling after his earlier counterpart. See, that's why I feel like DC is always trying to take the thunder on Marvel. Yeah, I, I think what Marvel does really well and why I love Marvel is they put more of their characters into a team dynamic where you get more of that like real drama. Whereas when I think of DC, like, yeah, there's the Justice League. Yeah, there's Batman and his sidekicks, but we don't really have like an X-Team, a Fantastic Four, you know, that kind of thing. For everyone out there, today is the day. Sean's book comes out on Amazon. Oh my God, it is Witch's Brew. Book one, Witch's Brew. Uh, Witch's Brew, book one, A Dream of Waking. Available now on Amazon, everybody. Please, if you are interested in witches, the supernatural, let's support this amazing, talented, kind individual. Thank you. I appreciate that. And what a day for me to be on your show. Friday the 13th. <laughs> Sean, where can the people find you besides on Amazon? You can find me on Brunch with the Hollowells, where my friend Rob and I are going through every Charmed episode, me as a new watcher, him as a seasoned watcher. Um, you can find me on Movie Geek and Proud, where we share our weird taste in movies. You can find me on Once Upon a Cult, where my friend Victoria, Alan, and I all look at different groups and decide if they're a cult or not. Um, and I just added two buttons to Magic Havoc on Etsy. There's now an Iceman and a Colossus button to go with Storm and Jean. If anyone was also aroused by the us talking about Colossus and Iceman in this fashion, now you can wear them. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. Thank you again, Sean, for this. I love talking X-Men, and I would love to have you back to even talk about more X-Men in the future. Honestly, we just touched the surface. I'd love that. Just let me know whenever you want me, and I will be here with just bells on. Did you hear that? Just bells. <laughs> Nothing else. <laughs> Maybe whistles as well. Bells and whistles. I won't tell you where I weigh the whistles, but yeah. <laughs> 
say to be continued just for that. Previously on X-Men. <laughs> And if you are interested in the Radical Retro Rewind, we can be found at Radical Retro Podcast, one word, on Instagram. We hope you had a fantastic, mutated, <laughs> havoc time today. <laughs> Thank you again, Sean. And thank you, Ryan. It was a blast. Oh, I had a blast as well. Thank you so much. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.